This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast with me, Johnny Hart, talking to Oanda Senior Market Analysts from across the globe. And this morning, I'm delighted to say good morning from London. Good afternoon to Singapore, to Mr. Jeff Halley. How are you doing? Good, good. It's uh, wonderful to be back after an extended absence. Yeah, we've had a bit of a break, and I wanted to first ask you about the latest from Asian markets thus far today. The Nikkei with some big gains up today. Why is that? Something to do with the Japanese Prime Minister, I believe. Yes, uh, Prime Minister Suga has bowed out of running uh, the LDP campaign, effectively stepping down as Prime Minister ahead of the expected October election. That has set the markets on fire in Japan as they now expect that the government will come forward with more fiscal stimulus ahead of the election and to offset the slowdown that we're seeing because of their delta wave of COVID-19 sweeping the country. He's basically fallen on his sword after his performance uh, through this uh, pandemic, which has been less than optimal, shall we say, and his polling was perhaps the lowest on record for any Japanese Prime Minister. So uh, short-term reaction there. I'm not quite sure if it will continue into next week, but certainly for today, um, uh, markets have treated this as a, a very strong positive. Across the rest of Asia, we saw services PMIs come out for China, for uh, Australia and for Japan, and they all disappointed, to be honest, uh, which hints again at the slowing down of the Asian recovery. We saw that very much reflected in the manufacturing PMIs across Asia earlier in the week. And the main reason for that, of course, is this COVID-19 Delta strain causing uh, lockdowns in uh, China. And of course, we know what's going on in Australia and in much of Asia. And I think the reality is, is that uh, we're in a two-speed global recovery now. The Northern Hemisphere heavyweights will recover faster than Asia because Asia, of course, is struggling to get on top of this Delta wave, particularly those current countries that had COVID zero policies, which is in fact most of Asia. Yeah, of course we have uh, PMIs in Asia, but services PMIs in Europe as well. They're a different story there. Yeah, very much so. Look, uh, I, I believe they will outperform, and that's a reflection of the vaccination programs across Europe and the UK and uh, the reopening of uh, the economies. Uh, certainly, I have some friends who sent me some pictures from their summer holidays in the south of France, or actually Bayeritz, yeah, and uh, it certainly looked like they were partying from 1999. <laughs> uh, so if I needed any more evidence that Europe's on the way back. That was pretty much it. And again, I think this will be reflected uh, in, in the PMI data, the services PMI data today should be positive for the euro, which has been rallying this week after some uh, quite strong inflationary numbers. Lastly, of course, which was the PPI number yesterday. That has led to some noise from ECB officials, notably from the northern part of Europe, talking about inflation again. Uh, and that means next week's ECB meeting will be perhaps more interesting than usual. I've just come back from Greece, actually, not Beeritz, uh, Jeff. And uh, I didn't party like it was 1999, but what was good from a tourism and travel sector point of view, there's the plane was full on the way back home. So signs of normality returning. Yeah, and I guess that the key will be is 
does this vaccination program mean that Europe and other parts of the world can live with COVID-19? Because it's not going away. Can it live with COVID-19? Will these vaccines make catching COVID-19 more like a, a bad flu or a bad cold rather than a, you know something a lot worse than that? And thus, can the economies stay open and, and life run semi-normally and uh, um, going forward? Uh, the, the, the initial impression looks good. Uh, I guess uh, Winter will tell us more of that story. Yeah, I mean, things tend to ebb and flow, don't they? And uh, we had two or three weeks ago here in the UK, perhaps more worrying signs, but things have steadied um, right across the country and also across Europe as well. So maybe it's already peaked. But as you say, the winter is yet to come. And uh, who knows? Uh, Lots of inflation noise ahead of next week's ECB meeting as well, Jeff. Yeah, look, uh, there's constant, I mean, and it has surprised to the top side in, in, in Europe quite strongly. And I never thought I'd be talking about Europe and the ECB and inflation concerns in the same sentence. Certainly not something we've had to deal with for the last 15 years. Uh, but certainly that noise is increasing. We've seen quite a, a number of ECB officials, including the heads of the uh, of the Netherlands and Austrian central banks uh, making a lot of noise about getting on top of inflation. Look, the ECB did move to quite a dovish stance, especially with their new inflation targeting policy last month. That's sort of uh, in conflict with the with the data we're seeing right now, which is a reflection of the supply chain blockages, materials, uh, reopening demand, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, same as we're seeing in the rest of the world. I, I do believe that we may see some movement next week on the pandemic emergency program, this uh, quantitative easing program. Maybe we'll get some more indicators there or an official announcement that they're starting to taper that program uh, sooner rather than later and perhaps at a faster pace. That should be bullish for Europe on the periphery, but I don't think we have to worry about European interest rates moving anywhere anytime soon. But certainly that noise is going to increase in parts of Europe as we go forward. The big story of the week is obviously going to be what happens tonight, today, this afternoon in the United States, non-farm payroll time. Markets are anticipating a, a disappointing US employment report, which means, and we talked about this off air a few moments ago, that upbeat figures may shock investors, uh, trigger a substantial dollar rally as investors will return to pricing for tapering in the United States. Yes, you know, after Jerome Powell's Jackson Hole address, uh, which was interpreted uh, as a very dovish set of comments, in contrast to a number of members of his FOMC committee have been saying exactly the opposite. Uh, We've seen uh, equities rally, we've seen the dollar fall, we've seen gold rise. Uh, Risk currencies have uh, also sharply rebounded as of Asian currencies. That classical... uh, 2020 um, bottomless zero percent money forever buy everything trade so that momentum has definitely been going through the markets this week Uh, the adp employment numbers from the us were soft uh, and that has led to more revisions to the downside for the us non-farm payrolls tonight look the the numbers expected well the median median forecast because it is a very wide range is around 750,000 jobs if we get a number below 700,000 I believe we're going to see a continuation of that dollar sell-off, that equity rally. But as you said, because sentiment is skewed so strongly that way into the numbers, if we get a print around 900 to a million jobs, we could be in for quite a sharp 
rise in the dollar, quite a big short squeeze, and that is almost certainly going to put pressure on equities into the weekend. And we have to remember liquidity will be lower tonight and on Monday because the US is on holiday. So we could see some quite large moves. And as often been the case over the last few months with the non-farm payroll numbers, the opposite has happened and then the opposite has happened the following month. Yeah, look, you know, I, I actually tell people never to trade the non-farm payrolls in the hour after the numbers released because the first move's almost always the wrong one, the knee-jerk move. You know, it's going to be great for volatility. Uh, hopefully the number is strongly pitched one way or the other so that we do get some visibility one way or the other on whether the Fed needs to start really uh, moving forward on their tapering program or not at the mid-month uh, at the mid-month FOMC meeting. I think the worst outcome at this stage would be a number that comes in at around 700 to 800,000, which is sort of fairly neutral and doesn't really give us uh, one strong uh, in, uh, indicator of direction one way or the other. And gold hasn't rallied this week. Why is that? Yeah, you know what? I am a little concerned about this, and I flagged it in my commentary uh, today as well. As we know, gold had this massive sell-off uh, in early uh, August, followed by an equally aggressive V-shaped, uh, very rapid recovery uh, into uh, early September. I mean, into early to the end of August. So, I'm getting my days mixed up now. Look, and now over the last week, it, it's really just traded sideways. It's held around its 100 and 200 day moving averages, which are sitting around $1,810. And every day, gold is unchanged this week, despite the fact that the US dollar has fallen quite a lot and US yields have eased somewhat. Now, that should be a positive environment for gold, but gold has not moved higher at all. And this is also on my radar now. I'm wondering if perhaps that, that rally has now moved, uh, run out of momentum, uh, and the market is sitting very long, and a high non-farm payrolls number tonight could spark a, a bit of a capitulation trade. And I could see if it does come out around 900 to a million jobs, that gold could easily fall 50 to $70 an ounce, uh, you know, perhaps test 1,750 tonight. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But certainly the price action in gold at the moment is not inspiring me uh, with confidence. And I do believe that the risk is skewed to the downside. It is all about non-farm payroll today. We've got a holiday coming up on Monday in the US, haven't we? What are you expecting that will be a highlight next week? Yeah, look, next week we have the ECB uh, policy meeting, uh, which I believe is Thursday. Um, so that will be the highlight, I believe, for the Northern Hemisphere. When you look at the data calendar in the US and Europe next week, it's all... Uh, uh, well, it's a lot lighter than it is this week, but it, it's sort of tier two uh, data. Uh, it's more interesting down in Asia, to be honest. We have uh, the RBA policy meeting, Malaysia policy meeting, but also we have uh, China's trade uh, data and also their CPI. And uh, the, the, the data from China has been on the weak side lately. And uh, there are nerves out here in Asia that perhaps the China recovery is also perhaps running out of steam. And uh, we could see more negativity emerge in Asian equities if China's data uh, disappoints uh, next week. So that's certainly something I will be keeping an eye on, along with the outcome of the ECB meeting, which will be a lot more exciting than we're used to. OK, Jeff, thanks very much indeed for joining us today and have a great weekend. And to you, my pleasure. The Oanda Podcast.